sabrosura para ti que qué. Hello everyone, this is Pam de Café con Pam, the bilingual podcast that features fearless Latinx and people of color that break barriers, change lives, and make this world a better place. Welcome to episode 154 of Café con Pam. Today we have a conversation with Angie Sanchez. Angie was born and raised in Sonoma Valley. From a young age, she has been involved with the community as a volunteer and she's returned as a staff member at La Luz Center. She's currently finishing her BA in sociology at California State University, Sacramento. And after graduation, she plans to continue her education for a master's degree in social work. Angie's passion for helping families has motivated her to coordinate and facilitate programs like Family Latino Literacy, Abriendo Puertas, Opening Doors Parenting Workshops, and Charla Café, which holds monthly meetings on alternative topics designed to improve the overall well-being of community members. Listeners, Angie is one of those people que tiene un corazonzote and she doesn't even know it. You will hear it with her story of always giving back to her family and to her community. But before we dive into Angie's story, I do want to address the fact that our world, especially our world in the United States, is in chaos right now. I cannot ignore this. And as it's happened in the past, I had to take some time off the show, not because I was frozen this time, but because I didn't know how to show up. I have already switched a ton of episodes around due to the pandemic and now the continued massacres happening with the black community added another layer of distress. So first, I want to send so much love to our black brothers and sisters existing in the United States. I posted recently some steps you can practice to take action because condolences and grief are not enough. Creating posts of sadness are not enough. This weekend, I supported black-owned businesses, and while I didn't partake in the protests, I called the numbers and sent the emails. I supported George Floyd's fundraising and donated to Black Visions Collective, whose mission is to organize powerful, connected black communities and dismantle systems of violence through building strategic campaigns, investing in black leadership, and engaging in cultural and narrative organizing. I mentioned this not because I want to be recognized for taking action at all. In fact, please refrain from telling me anything about it. I mention it because it's my responsibility and privilege to help. Standing up for injustice is more than talking about it or adding a post on social media. It is about taking action towards change. I mention this in hopes to spark some change in you and do something about it. Second, please stop posting the videos and photos of black people being killed. It's traumatizing enough for black communities to live in fear. When you post a video, it's like squeezing a lemon in an open wound. It does not help. And third, talk to your kids about race. This is for everyone who listens, not just those in the United States. This is for Latinx people or Hispanics or Latinos or brown or however you identify. I know there are people from all over the world listening to this show and I want to invite you, no, I urge you to read about systemic racism and educate yourselves and those you love. Look, I don't know everything. In fact, I don't know much. I didn't grow up here in the United States, and many times the references people make about something that happened in the past is something I have to look up, and and I have to build my own critical thinking. I also have to own the fact that I have said some problematic things in the past, especially in the early, early episodes. I didn't know better. And as well-intentioned as I may have been, my biases still remain. And this is an invitation for you to check yours. Change does not happen until we start taking action. We cannot continue to remain silent or ignorant. We can do better. We can learn, we can unlearn, and we can share what we've learned with others. <sighs> and I know I will get the messages of, I want to help and I don't know how. This is why I mentioned the things that I did so you could get an idea of how you can start. You can reach out to Black-owned businesses and support them. There are ways, monies, there are ways. Y bueno, now that I have expressed myself, let's talk about Angie. 
I think Angie's story is relevant to what we are currently facing as brown people because, like I mentioned earlier, she will inspire us to take action and the importance of giving back to our community. Angie shares what it was like to grow up in a wealthy town. And one of my favorite stories she shared is when their light was cut off and how she managed to tell her siblings things were fine. We talked about imposter syndrome and supporting each other. Also, Angie tells us why and how she came up with Sensoteria, the fun Loteria-inspired game we played twice at Café Con Pam. And the fun thing is that while we played, we also learned about the census. By the way, please fill out your census. It is absolutely confidential and making yourself count is activism. Don't stay silent, manis. Sin más, aquí les dejo mi conversación con Angie Sente. Angie, welcome to Cove Con Pam. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to have this conversation with you. We've been meaning to schedule it for a while and we're here. We made it. Yes, we made it. Ya llegamos. <laughs> ya llegamos. So first, how are you doing? We are in the midst of a pandemic. So it's been crazy. Like I'm sure like everybody else, I sometimes don't know what day it is, what time it is. I'm like, is it 2025? Like it's just, it's so ongoing and it's working from home really is more work than working from the office. And then when you go out there, it's just like, it feels like you're You're like in a movie and I feel tired. I feel nervous. Yeah. I mean, just so many different emotions. It's something. Yeah. Yeah. We're both in California, which our state has completely put us on lockdown. Yeah. Which makes it even more so like impactful, right? Yeah. Not even being able to go like on a hike, you know, but I mean, I, I completely understand. All of a sudden they were like, you could go on a hike and everybody was out there and <laughs> You know, it really is just to kind of keep everybody safe. So I, I understand. And it's a scary time for everybody. It is. It is. And I mean, as long as we're doing our part, right? Like we can't solve the world problem, but we can start with our house. Yes. How are you doing? I'm good. I do miss hiking. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was in Arizona last week and over there they don't have the lockdown yet. So we can still, the parking lots are closed and public spaces are not open to the public. So people are parking on the street and, you know, whatever they can. So it's still after I saw that, I'm like, okay, yeah, no, it needs to stop <laughs> Yeah, because it's hard, but we, it's something that we're living in and existing with. So I do miss it, yeah. but I'm looking forward to the day when I can go visit the mountains again. And I know that for now they're healing and they're also like breathing and existing without human interaction, which is probably something that they were missing too. Yes, exactly. I love seeing like the dolphins in Venice and all like the turtles roaming the, all the like the different beaches. So there's, a, you know, an upside, you know, I'm waiting for them to be like, oh, this is a prank, you know, <laughs> like you weren't listening to our Our global warming, you know, announcement. So we needed to put you guys on lockdown. You know, I don't know. I know. Yeah. And it is super. I mean, it, I don't know. It's this is a drill. You guys all failed. <laughs> right. If there really was a world pandemic, you guys failed. <laughs> right. Which I don't think we're going to get back to normal. And It's it's definitely a historic time, right? Like I'm recording episodes and I'm like, I've had to push episodes that were recorded before the pandemic and I'm releasing these that I'm recording now because they're timely, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's shifting in every way. I was talking to um, my daughter she, who turned 14 a week ago during this pandemic. So I was like, Natalia, I'm like, you don't realize I'm like, you're this right now what you're living in is part of like history. It's going to be taught at school they're gonna ask you like how they asked us now like where were you when 9-11 happened you know they're gonna say where were you when this pandemic happened and you're gonna be like well I was excited to graduate eighth grade and do all my eighth grade activities y ahora no hay nada right it's definitely historic it's it's gonna be interesting but let's dive into your story So, Angie, tell us who you are. What's your heritage? So, I am Mexican-American. So, my, my papas son de Mexico. Yo soy nacida aquí. I'm the oldest of seven children. My parents are Mexican immigrants. It definitely, being the oldest of seven, I feel like I've always been a mom. The responsibility. <laughs> oh, if I, you knew the responsibility. Con la gritadera también, like, telling everybody, like, get it together. Like, don't, no hagan eso. Do this. It's kind of funny, like. They joke around. They're like, yeah, you're like Angelica Pickles from the Rugrats. Oh, my God. How funny. 
Yeah. So we all say that we're going to go get like a little uh, Rugrat tattoo, like all me and all my siblings. And then everybody has a character from the Rugrat. Is it seven of them? Well, there's like the cousins and... So you can fill all the characters. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I grew up here in Sonoma Valley, born and raised and... And it's a it's a beautiful town. It's very different growing up, very low income, especially here in Sonoma Valley, where there's so many wealthy families, all the wine and, you know, the wineries. And I actually went to a private school because my dad helped build it when it started a charter school. So I was like, we were the only Latinos at that school. It was everybody else was, you know, they were well off. So we definitely stood out, you know. But it was a really good experience, like being able to have that different kind of a background to grow up. You know, and then at times also it was difficult because you you know, I couldn't show up to school with the new Adidas or the new anything that everybody else was getting. How was that? It was hard sometimes because, you know, I specifically remember when like the Adidas came out and they had different colors. Remember there was like the lime or the red stripes or, you know, the different color stripes and all the girls were like, okay, we're all picking a color. And then on the weekend, we'll tell our parents to take us to buy our color Adidas and then we'll come back with the new shoes. Well, my parents couldn't, could not pay to buy, you know, $70 pair of Adidas over the weekend. Right. My color was lime. I still remember. And I showed it to school and I I remember being like, I didn't want them to know that, you know, that like we didn't have money, you know? So I'd be like, oh, after like I was too cool. Like, no, I don't, I don't want those. I don't want, I want to have shoes that are different from everybody. I don't want it to look the same, you know? So it was always, you know, kind of putting up that front, like, oh, it's fine. Like, I don't need it, you know? And, and then they'd be like, why do you always walk to school? You know? And, and then I, you know, I, I twisted it, I changed it. I'd be like, okay, I want to walk to school. It's a good exercise for you. Not like my parents can't bring me to school because they have to go to work really early. So I, by yo, like it's highway 12, like here in town, like from my house all the way to the school. So I, by yo, like the little mama duck, the little patitos, like all the way to school. And people still remember like, oh yeah, the Sanchez family, we would see you guys walking all on highway 12. Cause back then, casi no había muchas familias latinas. So. Wow. Well, and so many questions, right? Like one is how you were able to cope with that. Yeah. By standing strong and saying, well, this is my reality, but not necessarily. And everyone reacts to this different, right? And so your way was to own up to it and be like, you know what? I walk because I want to. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely was. I was like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to let them see me, like be sad, you know. Did you feel that sadness like when you got home or how did you deal with that? Well, you know, I had really like the friends that I did have, they were really good, you know, and they were really well off. So they were just like, oh, you know, it's fine. Like, don't listen to them, you know. But I think I just always tried to like look at the positive side. And then I knew that I couldn't show that to my siblings, like there was anything wrong. I always try to make everything a game for them, you know, like we would go through periods of like, we were, my parents really struggled financially where we wouldn't even have electricity, but we had a fireplace in our house. So I was like in fifth grade, sixth grade, learning how to cook in the fireplace. Cook in the fireplace. Yeah. Like I would, like we, it was like a wood fireplace. And so prendia, you know, like we had an adventure or something. I would yes. like, turn on the wood and I'd get it sucked in and be like, okay, let's go hacer huevos, you know, huevos con jamón. And they were just like, oh, that's so fun. Like I made them think that everything we did was because it was for fun so then it'd be like okay it's gonna start getting dark and be like okay i don't want them to be like why doesn't our lights work so i'd be like we're gonna play a game don't turn on the lights okay and i'd be like we're playing hide and seek or tell scary stories or i'd be like let's it was in the summer i remember and i'd be like let's go let's put up our tent in the back and this we're gonna camp in our backyard so i always try to make things like fun and you know and even now they're like wait we didn't have electricity growing up and like they don't even remember like the nurse six younger ones in me and i'm like yeah that's because you know i didn't even let you guys realize it was, i tell them stories and they're like wait that happened when did that happen <laughs> wow it's always just like okay i have to be like the strong one you know totally yeah. where did you get your strength I don't know. I always just thought, okay, this is just temporary, you know, like right now, maybe for a couple of weeks, no one's going to lose, but otra vez it'll come back. Mm-hmm. It'll be better, you know. I kind of also knew in the winter, it was my parents, you know, work less because my dad did construction. It was kind of like a pattern. So I kind of I realized, okay, it's not always going to be like this, you know, and, and my parents were really, really hardworking. So I knew, you know, like, okay, we're going to get past this, you know, and my parents were also really, really strong. But yeah, I just... 
it was more of a survival thing. Like, this is just what I have to do. Hmm. Did your rich friends ever come over to your house? Yeah. One of them, and she, she said my house was always so much fun. I'm still really good friends with her. <laughs> and she's like, your house was always so much fun. Like, you guys were crazy. It was like a zoo in there. She's like, it was so entertaining. And she was like the only child, you know? And, and so she loved it. She learned, like, Spanish. Mi papá, like, would talk to her in Spanish. Like, al último, ya when we were in high school, she would even sing, like, Juan Gabriel songs. No. Like, she would be like, she would say, like, oh, I'm so, like, I'm wera, but, like, I'm, like, Mexican at heart. You know? And she just thought she was, like, Mexican. Like, she just was like, nope. Yo soy mexicana. <laughs> like, it was, like, so funny. And even now, she still speaks Spanish. And she, after high school, went and lived in Mexico for two years. So no way. She's like, if I wasn't your friend, like, I probably would be, like. A total rich white girl. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> How funny. I'm like, you're more Mexican than I am. <laughs> Well, and, and this is what's interesting about when cultures mix up, right? So, so it could be like in your case, like fun and exciting things happen like this. But then there's other cases where like to other people, like, they could have been bullied yeah. for stuff. So there's always the good and the bad in people. And some people encounter good people and some people have to face those lessons of that uncertainty. So that's great that you had a good experience. I mean, there definitely was some bullying at some times, but it, the good definitely outweighed the bad, you know? Yeah, there's just certain situations that, you know, I remember it was raining and I showed up in shorts to school and they were like, why are you wearing shorts? I'm like, so not cold, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah, but I feel like that's definitely, it's made me like who I am like today, you know, it definitely taught me to be super resourceful and like resilient, you know, at that such a young age, my parents were busy, like I had to go to the local organization, you know, and be like, where can I get food or, you know, for food resources, you know, and I'd be like, okay, here are the food banks. And then like helping my family apply for the adopt a family during Christmas time. So I definitely learned like all the resources at a super young age. And then like, even in high school, I was like in a car accident and uh, it was a fatal car accident that I actually was a passenger in. And I went through like a super rough time. And through that same organization, I was able to get grievance counseling. And that really helped. Cause I was in high school, you know, like mm. going through something so traumatic. So again, it was like looking for those resources and knowing like, okay, I need help. Like, where can I go? And it's really amazing because that organization that helped me from when I was little to getting like leche or diaper for my brother, getting this counseling and then learning about volunteering and volunteering is now where I work. Right. Oh, wow. Full circle. It is. I'm like, it's it's so great. I'm like, I'm able to work for an organization that gave so much to me and my family. And now I'm able to do that you know, for other families. I see other families. I'm like, that was me. Like that, those were my siblings. Mm. So it's great. You know, everything happens for a reason. So I definitely like, they're like, oh, you don't get sad talking about your stories. So I'm like, no, I'm like, it's lo que me hace, you know, like it me so fuerte and aprendí. I fell, I experienced, I learned, you know, and aquí estoy. Totally. Well, and I think that's the power of sharing your story that somebody might be listening to us right now and they might be like, you know what? Angie did it. Angie had to walk to school. Angie had to wear shorts because she didn't have maybe other clothes, right? Yeah. So therefore, by sharing your story, you're giving strength to others. I mean, I think there's, and this is why I do what I do, obviously, because I think there's so much power in sharing your story and allowing others to hear the obstacles that you've overcome and how you found that resiliency to get through it because we can. And I think people of color are so resilient and so strong because we've had to endure so much for generations. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think there's power in sharing your story. I love everything about telling stories. Even when we're doing like reports, you know, grants, they're like, show us the impact. And you're like, oh, we served 400 and something families with over 500 services. And I'm like, yes, but let me tell you one or three stories of those 400 that we served. And then you hear the story and it's like, okay, that's look at the llama la atención. Like that's where you are able to connect everything together. Not just, they're not just a number, you know, right. it's, it's a it's, it's una historia, it's their story. And even though they're, they're all all similar. They're all so very different. Mm, I love it. Okay. So I have two questions. One, how do you think it impacted you hanging out with rich white people growing up? 
as an adult? Well, a lot of those are now, one of them is the mayor of Sonoma Valley. (laughs) And a lot of them are, you know, still kind of well off. So in a way, it's that connection for resources that I might need now when I needed to, I wanted to throw a posada for uh, the community. I was like, tenía 100 dólares, like in my budget, you know, and I was like, it's like that wouldn't even pay for the pozole. So it was like calling those friends and being like, hey, like, does your business want to sponsor una posada for the community? Like, I'll put your logo, you know, and they're like, yeah, sure. So in a way, it's been really great because I have that connection and that support from those that I've known for a really long time. And they totally understand what I'm doing. And they are all for the community. So in a way, that's, that's great, you know, but in another way, it was always like when I was little, like, okay, I want to be like their parents. I want to be, I saw a family who that was like, you know, what looks stable financially, you know, like everything physically stable. And I was like, okay, that's what undia, like I think it'll get that. And so it was also having mentors. So a lot of their parents were also kind of mentors to me. And everybody has like, you know, those different programs, like the big brother, big sister. Like I had a, so many because they would be like, oh, come here. And <laughs> like, how can I help you? I stayed in contact with also the parents throughout the years. And when I needed letters of reference or if I needed tutoring or even like talking to them about, I'm thinking of wanting to do this you know, they might be an expert on something and I was able to reach out to them or again, connecting me to somebody. Totally. Because they have the resources, right? I agree 100%. My best friend, she's a white girl from the Midwest (laughs) and she, and I've talked about this. She's the first one that taught me how to do a budget when we were in college. And she was completely like, how did your parents never sit you down? And I'm like, no, dude, we don't talk about money. Like, just show me how to do the thing, right? And then yeah. her mom helped me how to do my taxes because oh. she was a CFO or she is, I guess, you know? So one thing that I feel that communities of color could do more is with the good allies, right? Like yes. finding the the people that truly want to help and and rely on them because they do have more access. They have that privilege of more education, more access, more resources, more money, et cetera, et cetera. And why not learn from them? It's true. Right now, I'm actually looking into maybe starting a business. Well, no, because with everything that's going on, but I can at least start planning or working on a business plan. So when this pandemic is over, I can slowly start working on actually starting the actual business. But it's like you said, you they enseñaron to do your taxes. Mm-hmm. Or I'm being taught, okay, this is what a business plan is you know our dads who do landscaping and construction like they have licenses or went and did like the, the test or you know not because they don't want to but they don't know seven they don't know what other different steps like okay i need to go get a business license exactly so they were just hustlers you know and they did what they need to do they still are hustlers but we know Okay, tenemos que hacer las cosas bien. And I've even like I have talked to my brother and it's like, you know, you graduate from the university. Um, maybe you should go into business with dad and you start the construction business, but really it's my dad. Right. Pero tú le and he's like, you know what? Maybe that's something we should look into. Totally. Because we do have a privilege, right? Yeah. 100%. Like, that's the way I think it's like, I have the privilege of speaking English, having an education. So why shouldn't I learn from the people that know the things and then pass it on to the people that don't speak English, that don't have the privileges that I do? I encourage that 100%. Tell your brother to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. Okay, Angie. So you grow up there. Did you ever leave Sonoma Valley? No, I have not. At all? I said I was so adamant to hit my boy I'm gonna go. I even looked into moving not even that far, but to Sacramento. I thought about it and I almost did the leap, but then I realized so I like I mentioned earlier, my daughter Natalia, she's now like a teenager and I was like, oh I don't know if I want to move to like a big city con ella, you know? And I'm like, I had a really good experience, a very close knit community. Like I mentioned, I still talk to all my teachers. Like I have some teachers come to my baby shower, to my wedding. So I'm like, I kind of want to have that for her. I go, si me voy a Sacramento con ella. I'm like, we're going to start all over again. Like, I'm not really going to know the parents of her friends. I'm not going to know all the hangout places. Donde ir a buscarla si she becomes a rebel in high school, you know? Like I started thinking about all these things. Luckily, she's a good she's a good child. But, you know, it's just like all those different things. Like just being able to, even simple. Like I 
can ride my bike from one side of town to the other side of town. I over there somewhere like bigger, you know, bigger city, even just to probably get to her school, being stuck in traffic. I was just like, there was just more cons versus pros. So I decided to stay in Sonoma Valley. However, I have said that as soon as she goes off to college in four years, I I do want to move out of Sonoma because I want to go experience and see what else is out there. I would love to go live in like Sayulita and maybe do be like a wedding coordinator because I love planning and coordinating events. And so I'm like, maybe I'll go do that, you know, or maybe I'll move to a big city and do engagement for another like, you know, nonprofit somewhere else. I don't know, but I definitely in four years is my plan. So this is a good time for a break. Let's take a quick coffee break. All right, Angie, do you drink coffee? Actually, I just started drinking coffee during this time at home. No way. I never drank coffee before. Neta. I just started drinking. I have always loved the smell of it. But for some reason, no me, nunca me gustó like el sabor. I'm like, oh, it's too strong. And then everybody... When I would drink coffee, they say, you're drinking like French vanilla stuff with like a, a splash of coffee. Splash of coffee. <laughs> but now that I've been home, I, I picked it up. I don't know. Interesting. To Target, and I bought one of those like little $30 coffee pots. Yes. And I'll make it. Yeah. How's your newfound love for coffee? I really like it. Like I had to stop myself though. I needed to calm down because I was like a pot a day, like a pot. <gasps> I go from like a hundred zero to a hundred that quick. So or like right now it's noise because I was like, you need to drink your water. Right. My little concha care bear. I got my girl Selena. How fun. We're looking at all your stickers in your bottle. Yeah. It says no ban, no wall. Mm. I'll have to send you a sticker. I'll send you a sticker. We got AOC right here. Love the it. Bigger the hoop, the bigger the dream. I love it. You know, I never got, I never could use, I mean, I did ha- wear hoops, which culturally speaking, I'm not, I feel like that's more like a Chicana type thing. And I'm from Mexico City. So that was never my thing. And then I tried to wear the hoops. They would get stuck everywhere. <laughs> no, I, I think I was born with hoops. Right. Yeah. I, I literally think my mom is from Mexico City. Oh, no kidding. How fun. Have you been? I have not been, but it's on my list. I actually wanted to go this year. You know, social media, you get connected to family members that you didn't even know existed. And I met una prima who's around my age. And when I was in Puerto Vallarta last year, I was, you know, messaging with her. And I'm like, wait, está en Puerto Vallarta. And she came and she met me. And she was really cool. And she was like, okay, ahora te va a tocar a ti. Venida a visitarme. And so this year I was like, oh, I really want to go, you know, but we'll see. For sure. For sure. No, I love, I love my, I mean, I grew up there. So it's a beautiful place. Definitely add it to your list. Definitely make it when we're able to travel again. Yes. I want to go see there's the show for Dia de los Muertos that they do. What is it? The the boats that float down the, the river. Xochimilco? Yes. They do a show there for Dia de los Muertos. Yes. So I want to go. I know. I'm like, I love everything Dia de los Muertos. So I'm like, I need to, I want to go experience it in Mexico. Totally. Oh, it's so magical for sure. But going back to the hoops, my friends that wear hoops all the time, I tell them the same thing. Like I get like when I wear hoops, mine would get stuck everywhere. And they're like, you're crazy. I Same, same exact comment. I was born with hoops. <laughs> oh my gosh. So funny. Yeah. But I wear a lot of headphones too. That's what it is. Just the headphones. Yeah. If I've had to wear actual headphones, it's cierto. Te lo tienes que quitar, yeah. On my end, I want to talk about Four Sigmatic. Four Sigmatic is a mushroom company. So they do adaptogenics. And it's one of my favorite companies. I... I am an affiliate with them and their products are amazing. And right now I am obsessed with their immune elixir and it has chaga, which is uh, like the mother of mushrooms, which they call. So it's microdosing for those people that haven't heard me talk about for Sigmatic. <laughs> so I have IBS, which means that I technically shouldn't be drinking coffee. The reason why I'm obsessed with the elixir is because it tastes like coffee, but it's not coffee. And it's really good for you. It's for immune system. And so I'm really obsessed. And I have a code. If people want to try it out, it's Stay Shining. And it gives you 20% off. So you can try anything of their products. It's forsigmatic.com. So especially right now with the pandemic, I'm drinking the elixir like it's water because I want my immune system to go up and I and feel like I'm still drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's that mind, you know, that mind trick. It's like, yes, hey. you got your hot beverage. It's fine. You'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get back to the show. 
Okay, Angie. So your whole life you've been in Sonoma Valley. Slow Noma, ladies and Slow Noma. <laughs> So how did Angie arrive to where she is right now? In a professional, you know. um, Interpret it however you want to, whatever comes out. I mean, like I mentioned, you know, I think all my life experiences got me to where I am right now. I'm in a really happy place. You know, I'm how old am I? It's just a number. Yeah, it just is the number. But yeah, I just really think that I've worked, you know, really, really hard to be where I am. I'm in, in a really good, happy place. I love what I do for work. I love that I'm able to give back to the community and I get to be creative. And, you know, my boss literally just lets me be creative and use all my ideas because sometimes I have way too many ideas. But I think, you know, even also being a young mom, I think also. Also taught me so much. I had Natalia when I was 19 and she's 14 now. So I'm like 32, yeah, like 32. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it really, everything that I've done to get to this point, it was really, I think, because of her, you know, and, and also for myself, it's like, okay, I need to build a life for myself and not for my daughter. And, you know, to, for my parents, you know, they didn't, they haven't struggled all this time, but I can't, no, no, nada con mi vida, you know. Mm. My parents get so excited, like anytime there's like an article or everything that's been going on with the Sensoteria, my mom's just like, oh, like she's just like loves it. And then, you know, she always says like, oh, you, you have such a good heart, you know, and she's always like, oh, me, me, tiene buen corazón. <laughs> like she always says that. But yeah, I really just, you know, all the different experiences. And I think just really just working through all those challenges and just seeing, you know, que things get better. La lucha, you know, la lucha sigue como dicen. And pues aquí estamos. So what's your why? Why am I here? I'm here for mi comunidad, for mi familia, you know, for, for mi hija. And really, I'm here because for myself, you know. People say sometimes, you know, especially in Latino families, you work so hard and you think of everybody else, you know, especially like las mamás. They think of their husbands, their siblings, their children, but they never put themselves first. I did a workshop with a couple of parents and they had a really difficult time doing a vision board because I was like, focus on what lo que usted quiere, you know, and they found it so difficult because they are so selfless. They think Mm -hmm. of everybody else. Or they think about themselves. And I, growing up, did the same. I thought about everybody else. I put everybody else first. And finally, I'm at the stage now in my life where I'm like, okay, I need self-care. I think okay, without me, I have to be happy so then I can work with everybody else. And sometimes I say, yeah, I'm selfish. I say, if see, if I want to go on un viaje and people will be like, oh, you're going to go on a trip. I'm like, you know what? I go on family vacations with her. But I feel okay now saying, you know, I'm going to go explore the world también sola because you're allowed to do that and you shouldn't feel bad and that's what I try to tell a lot of like the the families and the mamas that I work with like you know it's okay si usted quiere ir a caminar sola y no se quiere llevar a los niños está bien like don't feel guilty you know vaya y camine aunque sea diez minutos you know how did you figure that it's valid to have that self-care It took a long time. I went through a a part of, you know, in my life where I started feeling like upset or unhappy and like not angry, but it was like, I felt frustrated because I'd be like, oh, no tengo tiempo like to do what I want to do. And then it was like, okay, why don't I have that time to do what it is that I want to do? You know, I realized I'm putting everybody else first and I was never putting myself first. So it's like, I needed to learn that and then to be like, no, ahora me toca a mí. What what does Angie want to do, you know? And then I just started implementing it little by little by little. And I realized I really am much happier doing what makes me happy. And for people who know me have said in the last three, four years, like, oh, you've, you've changed. You're still the same, but oh, you seem you seem so much happier. It just shows and it's contagious. You, you can pass it on to other people as well. Absolutely. Well, and I think culturally speaking, black and brown communities and communities of color, we give everything for others. And so it's this learning curve (laughs) that we have to go through to understand that it's okay to give yourself love. It's okay to write a letter, a love letter to yourself. I gave this exercise to one of my clients yesterday. I was like, when was the last time you wrote yourself a love letter? Like, dear Pam, I love you so much. You know, like... (laughs) (laughs) And she was like, I've never done that. And it's because we're not taught to love ourselves. No. 
But 100%, as you do it, it's that it's almost like you're passing on the candle, right? Like it's passing on that light of like, it's okay. You can buy yourself flowers. There is nothing wrong. Natalia will be like, mom, why do you buy yourself flowers? You're supposed to let somebody else buy you the flowers that they regale. And I go, no. Si tú quieres esas flores, date un gusto tú misma. So I'm like, I'm going to buy those flowers. <laughs> totally, because you deserve them. Yeah, and then, you know, it lightens up your house. It just changes the mood, you know. It's those little things that you do that, that can really help boost your, your mood or your house, you know. I love it. When did you know you wanted to work at La Luz? I start, oh my goodness. So throughout my childhood, even when we struggled, my mom always said, okay, we have to volunteer. So aunque she was always working. And even though we were struggling, we helped volunteer. I was like five years old. And I remember being in the truck with my dad and helping deliver some of the donations, which was like furniture or clothing to different people's homes. So I say I'm like, I was born at La Luz, you know, like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I know the founder, Ligia Booker, and she's been somebody very instrumental in my life. You know, she has always been such a role model. And so I think I didn't, I don't think I necessarily knew that I wanted to work at Luz, but I just knew that I wanted to work with people with the community. And then so volunteering throughout my entire childhood until I was about 19, I actually started working on La Luz when I was 19. It was my first job. I was, you know, an, a new mom. I actually wasn't even going to apply. My mom's the one, you know, pushed, you know, your mom's pushing you to do something. Que no quieres hacer. She's like, rica, rica. I'm like, no me va a dar trabajo. Like, why are they going to hire me? I don't even have experience, you know, but you can do it. Tú puedes, you know, mm-hmm. I boy and I apply and I got it. And my first role, you know, position at La Luz was I was the coordinator for the volunteers, which was perfect because, you know, while it had all the experience volunteering for La Luz, but now it was, okay, now I'm the one who's, you know, going to be coordinating all the volunteers. Y en ese entonces, we had a lot of older senior volunteers. So it was, okay, how is this young 19-year-old Latina going to come tell the 60-plus older privileged Anglos Que tienen que hacer who've been volunteering here for years. I was like, oh, this is going to be a challenge. For the most part, they were all very, they were great. And they age, colored, it didn't matter. They're like, you're the boss. How can we help you in the organization? And, and yeah, we had a couple of you who were like, who are you? I've been volunteering for 20 years. You know, like, you're going to come tell me how to volunteer in the front desk. But, it, you know, it's. They're so set in their ways that sometimes it's hard getting feedback, you know? And it was like, maybe, you know, even like a little thing of like, oh, we should answer the phone. Hi, this is Angie with La Luz Center. How can I help you? And, they, you know, they would just answer like, hello, you know, like, como se en su casa? So it was just like, you know, those little improvements. But it would, they sometimes they looked at me like, who's this new girl? But it worked out. I'm still there. <laughs> Did you ever have imposter syndrome? Yeah, I... Definitely. So I think it happened more the longer that I've been there. So in the beginning, it was more like, yes, I'm here. But I think with the the work in the last two years, especially around the census, I've been acknowledged a lot through like articles or I received a 2019 Latino Leadership Award for uh, Northern California. And I was like, me? You guys are giving me one of the awards? Like I... I'm like, I'm just working, doing what I need to do. And I get kind of embarrassed or I get kind of shy. And they're like, oh, you know, and we saw you in the paper again. And I'm like, why am I embarrassed? Like, it's not like it's a mugshot, you know, <laughs> right. it's not like in the newspaper for something, doing something bad. But it was like, somebody else should have gotten this, not me. But, you know, but then I'm reminded like, no, you work so hard. Like, no, you deserve this. And it's like, no, you know. You're right. I do deserve this. I have worked really hard to be where I am. It really is a struggle. And I've noticed that a lot of my coworkers, the majority of us, were young Latinas. And we've had conversations with each other of this imposter syndrome. And it's real. It's amazing to see how many people really do feel that. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard the term, I think, maybe recently in the last two years. And I was like, okay, what's imposter syndrome? (laughs) Like, I didn't understand it. And now I'm like, it's real. You have to be confident and you have to, it's not about luck. You know, before I'd be like, oh, I'm, 
it's I'm lucky. We're lucky. Like, no, it's, it's nuestro esfuerzo. You know, mm-hmm. it's our dedication. It's todo el día la noche, todo el trabajo que hacemos. Like, we brought ourselves here to where we are. Totally. 100%. Imposter syndrome is very real. And I think, I frankly, I would venture to say that everyone goes through it. And I think the power in it is to acknowledge it and be like, okay, you're feeling that you're maybe you're not good enough or that you don't deserve this. But then exactly what you did, right? Like going back to looking at the efforts that you put in and the work that's been behind the scenes that you're like, you know what, you do deserve it. And One thing that I do for myself, it's like I extract myself from the equation and I look at me from a different point of view as somebody else. And I'm like, okay, she did work hard. Yeah. Like as a third party, like, okay, she does deserve it. Right. And then it's a little easier to digest than looking at us as yourself. It's true. One of my coworkers was actually also my vecina. She's like one of my cheerleaders and she will, people who we run into each other or we met up with some friends and They'll be like, oh, what are you, so what are you up to? What have you been doing all these last two years? Like, tell me and I'll just like downplay it. And then she'll, she'll come in and be like, no, let me tell you what she's been doing. And she, she like goes down the list and says all this stuff. And I'm listening to her talking about me and I'm like, oh, wow. Like she asked them. Si, cierto, si, cierto. Si, so chica. Okay. Yes. But it's, it's like you said, listening and looking at stepping back and listening to somebody else or looking at it from a third person's view. It's, you get really amazed listening to your accomplishments. And then it gives you even more fuel, more motivation. Like, you know what? This is just the first step. Like, what's next? What else can I do? You know? Totally. Kind of like an addiction. It's like, okay, get más puedo hacer, you know, like for me, for the community, it's like, I've been able to accomplish certain things and it's like, okay, ahí no se acabó. Like, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. Having those conversations with community members, like, what would you like to see, you know, and saying, okay, like, let me try to work on something. I love it. And also something that you touched on is having a supportive community. And I can attest to that as well where like a friend of mine also one time she we went to a a luncheon and she got up on stage to give me a shout out for the thing and I was like why and she was like I'm doing it because you wouldn't do it and so the power of having those friends colleagues community that supports you and sees you is so powerful and supporting each other right like I think there's also so much power into it. Like, I see you, Angie. I see that you're doing all these amazing things and that doesn't make me any less. It's it's supporting each other and that uplifts. Como el dicho, a rising tide lifts all ships. So there's power into that. It's so different seeing that, like being able to help uplift another woman or being uplifted by another woman. It's so beautiful porque we're so used to or growing up and, and not seeing that. Yes. You hear las comadres en la cocina, you know, your tías y están, oíste esa que empezó un negocio? Yes. Ay, yo no sé cómo lo va a hacer. You know, there, it was just like negative. Like, why are you also negative? You know, like, yes, spill the tea, but be positive about it. ¿En qué no sirve wishing others can not to be successful, you know? I look at it, okay, que bueno que she started a business. I'm happy that she figured out how to do a business plan. I'm happy that She's now employing other people in the community, you know, and now she's doing so well. She's now donating back to the organization that maybe helped her. And I just look at it like that versus, I know, ahora va a ser bien creída porque she has a business, you know. (laughs) I like can hear my tías right now. (laughs) Totally, 100%. And I think that's one of those like historical traumas that we carry is, you know, the crap syndrome when like people pull each other down. And that's something super like... It's less and less as new generations happen, but our parents, grandparents, tias, tios, they still grew up with that mentality of like the crab, right? Like I'm going to pull you down so I can get back up instead of working like bees of like, okay, let's just all work together and make a beehive. I think our generation and younger generations are dismantling that patriarchal mentality of bringing each other down and and truly supporting each other businesses and uplifting others. So one step at a time, we'll get there. <laughs> yes. And, you know, we're there and at the kitchen with them and we, I speak up. I'm like, yes, I am not scared to be like, hey, like, can we just talk about something positive? Like, let's change the subject, you know, or 100%. I think that also comes with with our privilege and our responsibility, right? Like, totally. And doing it from a sense of from a space of love, like, okay, you said the cheese man that you wanted to say, how about we go 
buy tortillas from her tortilleria, you know? Yeah. Like, have you even tried them? What if you love them? And then <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be even more upset, like, oh, God, her tortillas are so good. <laughs> you know, like, like oh, I'm just fine, I'll eat them. <laughs> right. Loving them inside though. <laughs> totally. Okay. Oh my gosh, we're running out of time. Okay, Angie. So tell us what you do at La Luz now. So I am the community engagement manager at La Luz Center. So there's different programs that fall under community engagement. One of them is hosting the culture events in Sonoma Valley. If it wasn't for La Luz Center, there would be no cultural events like at all. So we do a posada, we throw a Cinco de Mayo event, uh, Dia de los Muertos, and it really is the only time where we are able to bridge both of the communities, los güeros con los latinos, and everybody comes together for these events. And then we do them in La Plaza. So our cultural events con los únicos que se hacen in, in the Sonoma Plaza, because usually it's, you know, everybody drinking their wine or right. <laughs> The Cinema Film Festival and all these other <laughs> fundraisers. Pero luego llegamos nosotros con la banda, you know, we got our cantina garden, llevamos con nuestros modelos, you know, our chelas, and ballet flocóricos, mariachi, you know, papel picado hung all over. I mean, it just transforms and you just are so happy seeing all the different, like, llega gente and I'm like, all these people live in Sonoma? Like, where are they hiding? Like, and then you get all the güeros also that come and they're like, oh, these tacos are so good. And they're just like dancing también. And it really is just so beautiful to see an event that I help put together. It's, it's bringing the community together. And so I love that part of the events. And then I also help co-facilitate a Latino leadership program. We see that there's not that many on boards, you know. Yes. We don't have that many Latinos being on boards, being on advisory councils and so it's like how the idea for this group was to go through the leadership challenge to learn okay everybody can be a leader everybody's born to be a leader it's just how do we work on certain skills so then you they feel comfortable enough to go out there and be like you know what I'm going to be the first Latina on the board of the school you know or you know there's just so many different organizations that have the majority are retired you know Anglos and they're the ones who are helping organizations that are for Latinos, but we don't have any Latinos representing our Latinos. So this leadership group is learning. This is the fourth year, I believe. And we've been able to place, you know, different Latinos from the community back on boards in the community. Some of them have never even volunteered before. So even saying, okay, this is when you volunteer, you know, because we can't just throw them and be like, here, you're going to be on a board. Right. This is what giving back to the community is. This is why it's important. And the cohort right now, it's really great. It was it started at the end towards the end of last year, but they are their focus is on the census. So because who better to spread the word on the importance of the census for Latinos than Latinos from your own community doing the door knocking, the door canvassing, the phone banking, and then having a stranger that you don't know come to your door, but you they recognize these these community members and they're more open to having that conversation with them, you know, about different topics, like the, you know, one being the census. And so yeah, so I lead the civic engagement for La Luz, all the outreach, the communications to the partners. I mean, there's so many different, so many layers, but I love it. This is my eighth position at La Luz Center and it's by far my favorite. How fun. I love it. That sounds great. And I love the leadership cohort for Latinos because representation matters and it is super important, especially if the organization is serving black and brown communities, it's important to have black and brown voices on the board. Because as much as white people want to help, that doesn't mean that they know the actual, the first experience. So I love that. Yeah. And we're actually really lucky that our board of La Luz, we have two Latinos on it. But for being, you know, La Luz Center serves primary, I think it's 88% of Latinos who we serve. And the board is very, they trust the staff. So they're not making decisions. They actually invited us to be part of the strategic planning. They wanted to know from us. They want to say, you're the ones running the show. We're just here to support you. But sometimes at other organizations, no es lo mismo. Sometimes right. they're like, no, we're the board. We're running the show. You guys are going to do what we say. But here, it's the exact opposite. We Yes, they're the board and we're the staff, but we're all just one and we work with each other. And it's it's so great because we've been able to see that it's successful by everything that we've been able to do together to better serve our community. Mm, I love it. So tell me a little bit about Sensoteria. 
which I have one. Thank you very much. It's so fun. Oh yeah, we mailed you one. So Sensoteria, have you seen it? I started working on Sensoteria and I'm going to be honest, when my boss me dijo, okay, you're going to be the lead on the census. You dije, what? I don't want to do that. That sounds boring. <laughs> like I was like, what is the census? You know? And then I thought, did I fill out the census? Have I ever filled it out? You know, it was like, oh my gosh, how am I going to spread the word and, and the importance when I don't even understand it? So it was kind of like going back to school and it was like, okay, I need to learn about this, you know, so I can engage the community. And so while I was brainstorming of different ways of how am I going to do this, I am anti PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> I boring. I, I just can't. I like being creative. I like color. I, I'm a visual person. So when I was brainstorming, I came across a Selena paint night, but they made the painting look like a Loteria card. And I said, oh, that's great. And that's when I clicked, oh, maybe I'll do Loteria cards for the census. But I'm thinking I'm only going to create like six, blow them up and use them during tabling events to call their attention with the, the colorful cards. But once I started reading more articles and then writing more cards, Next thing I know, I'm like, I have an entire Loteria set. And I'm thinking this could be a game. And I'm like, we this will be a modern twist to the original Loteria. And I had now 20 boards, 54 cards. And then in the back of each card, which you've seen, there's a definition. It's in Spanish and then it's in English. So it's a bilingual game. And I thought, okay, this is what exactly what I wanted. Because if I am going to invite families again, like my parents. My parents are not going to come to an event at Lalu Center after a long day of work to sit there and listen to a PowerPoint presentation. Right. Pero if I throw an event like tacos y sensoteria, we're saying we're going to have prices, va a haber música, vamos a jugar una versión diferente de lotería, and we're going to have un taquero. I'm there. <laughs> they were there, you know. So it was getting creative. It was like having to get creative and making it easy for families. Okay, how can they learn in a fun, culturally relevant way? So then also after work, they don't have to now go worry about what, what are they going to make for dinner or what activity they're going to do with their child. They could just come to the loose and they learn and they play and they win and they eat, conviven con la otra gente de la comunidad. It was great. I was really, really lucky to have the Latino Community Foundation my goal was only to try to get this printed, get maybe five printed to use in Sonoma Valley. And then when they're like, wait, what are you doing? What is this game? And so then I showed them and they're like, we want to support you. And this game is going to be so critical for different organizations to use. And I'm like, really? Like you want to print more of, this, of the game? And so I was like, great. They gave the funding and we've been able to print over 400 games and distribute all over California and to other states as well. I love it. And I have one and I'm, I'm so honored to, to have gotten my hands on one. It's really, really cool. I've not necessarily played it, but I've gone through it and it's really informative and it's definitely something that you can use to teach people about the census. So thank you for creating it. It's amazing. Can people buy them, get one? How does it work? So we wanted it to be a free educational tool. We didn't want money to be a barrier, again, for other community organizers. If they wanted to host a pop-up, we sent them a game. You know, we didn't want to be like, yeah, it's $40. We didn't want that. And so if anybody wants a game, they can actually contact us and we can mail them one. Right now, we'd have to figure out how to get to the office. But we were getting emails or calls from other organizations and we then took down their information. All we really needed was their mailing address and tell us how you're going to use this game and tag us on social media. And then we mailed them one. But we had Google reach out, AS and, and LA, so many different organizations. It was it's really great. But it's interesting, though, to see how everything that, that we were doing for Outreach for the Census, everything was so planned. Everything was going so well. We were doing door canvassing with our youth ambassadors hosting these sensoteria pop-ups at schools, at churches, at parks. And it was flowing so well. And then COVID-19 hit. Right. And it was like all these outreach events were in person. So it was, what are we going to do now? And it was like, well, there goes, there goes census. So that's done with. And I'm like, no, now we have to rethink how we're going to do this. We now need to shift. 
shift it and shift our outreach efforts. And so then we said, okay, if we can't do the door knocking, the door canvassing, we're now going to do phone banking because that's something that we can do from our home. Our ambassadors are at home and we created a script. We started calling all our families. On Friday, I was out at one of the food banks with my tablet and families are waiting up to an hour in their car to get a bag of food or a box of food in their car. So there I am walking from car to car, keeping myself distancing and how you filled out your census. No, would you like to fill it out right now? So it's worked out really well. We started a hotline and we put all the flyers at all the different food distribution. So there's a flyer that goes in all the boxes and we have it on social media. So any, and anybody who wants help can call us because right now they might not have internet mm-hmm. or they might be illiterate or they just might find it easier to have call us. And we, on the other side, just fill it out for them and we submit it and then they're good. Nice. And the census of people, because people might not know, you you have to legally fill it out. <laughs> yes, it is in the Constitution. Yes. You have got to fill out the census. It determines how much money and resources goes into your community. It's so important. I try to tell our, our Latino families is a lot of them are low income. So they have Medi-Cal. They have CalFresh with his food stamps. They participated in WIC or the program has start for their children for preschool. The money from the census pays all of these programs, all these programs that they're enrolled in, you know, the free or reduced school lunches. So they're able to connect and identify like, oh, okay. Oh, sí lo tengo que hacer porque si no me van a me van a quitar mis estampillas de comida porque no llené no llené el censo. Or I tell them I'm like, okay, say there's two hundred dollars and two people apply, two people get counted and two people apply for CalFresh. Entonces you each get a hundred dollars. Like, pero if only two people get counted and four people apply for CalFresh, now you have to split those two hundred dollars. And they're like, sí, cierto, verdad? No, sí lo tengo que llenar. <laughs> entonces sí. It's been great. I and now we've we've been hosting virtual sensoteria pop ups. I don't know if you've seen Latinas Who Brunch has hosted two on their Instagram. How fun! I hosted two with Latino Community Foundation, and it's we kind of do it like this on on live Instagram. Or, well, let's do or one. Facebook. We should, and it's so easy. So we have a link, and anybody can just look at the tabla from their desktop or from their phone and follow along. And then you can just put like frijolitos on your phone if you have it on your phone. And people then just screenshot a picture and they send us if they win. But people are commenting and they're, well, you know, it's kind of a conversation and are commenting on or asking questions or saying where they're from. So it's actually been really fun. All right, let's schedule one. I love it. I love that you created this. I think it's it's something that the community is benefiting from it. I think it's super powerful. I love it. So. Angie, last two questions. Do you have a remedio? So one of them is rubbing alcohol. Okay. And I remember thinking like, what is this? So my dad puts like a lot of different hierbas and then he puts, you know, marijuana leaves in it. And I'd be like, oh my God, ese viejito, he's that loco. Like, why is he always rubbing this all over his body? But it really works. If you have like aching pains or muscles, you know, like he prepares like literally it's like, the rubbing alcohol bottle is that you know they're like a bunch oh, of verde, no? yeah a bunch of stuff and then you put it like on cotton or like on a warm like soaked like towel and then you literally just like rub it all over your body it really like i don't know how he figured this out i don't scientifically i don't even know but it works it's como un tonic no yes it is and then the other thing is if you rub um rosemary when you're showering with a hot shower, like it also t- helps you really de-stress. I love I love rosemary. I put it in my hair. It also helps you with your hair grow. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Do you have a quote or mantra that you live by? I just think, honestly, la lucha sigue. We all have different, like you said, different stories, different backgrounds, different upbringings, but we all have that in common. Que we all want to be successful in whatever we define as successful and we are all working so hard towards it and estamos luchando in whatever ways that we can so la lucha sigue we can do it i love it beautiful 
Well, Angie, thank you so much for being at Gabi Bum. I love your story. I love all that you do and your passion for the, helping the community. And Sensoteria is amazing. I can't wait for us to do a Sensoteria live. And is there anything else you want to share that I didn't ask? No, I just think, you know, if anybody wants to check out what the work that we're doing at Lalu Center, check us out at lalucenter.org. And right now, everybody stay safe. If you are able to help donate to any organization in your community, because we do have a lot of families that are struggling economically, financially, not just the Latino families. And thank your grocery workers and your farm workers, you know, all those workers right now that were not, you know, considered, you know, these great career pathways, you know, are now our essential workers. So everybody stay safe and and give back in whatever way that you can. I love it. And where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram. It's Angie y la vida. My friends are always like, they actually gave me that, that <laughs> nickname. They're like, I Angie la vida. Because <laughs> something, I see, I, there's always something. Con la vida. Everything, every time we travel, there's always like a funny story. So they're like, they'll go, I Angie la vida. <laughs> That's my Instagram. <laughs> awesome. Well, Angie, thank you so much. Listeners stay shining. And that was Angie. Manis, let me know your thoughts on this episode, on her story. I really love Angie's creativity and selflessness because everything she does, it's truly from the heart and to uplift her community. Let's keep the conversation going in the Stay Shining Club. Head over to stayshining.club and join our free community of recovering procrastinators. Get access to the announcements before anyone asks questions. Hang out with me during cafecito. We're going to start tapping during cafecito time and I will see you there. This is a hard one. This was a hard one. Don't forget to follow at Cafe Con Pam Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for coming on today. Take a deep breath. Si se puede. And stay shiny.